of Director Showcase. I'm B-Movie Paul. And I'm Phantom Dark Dave. Well, it's the start of, the, of a new month, which of course means a new director whose films we will be reviewing. This month, we've chosen director Roger Corman. Corman is well known for his low-budget and unorthodox horror films. And what better way to start off Roger Corman month than with a review of his famous 1959 movie, A Bucket of Blood. So Dave, what did you think of A Bucket of Blood? Well, I was very excited for us to sit down and review this movie because I've seen this movie a few times, and I just wanted to watch it again. I'm a huge fan of Bucket and Blood. It's a lot better than Videodrome. I had to fit that in. But uh, I love everything about this movie from the acting, the directing, the way they use their budget to their advantage, and the setting. There was only like three different places in this entire movie, and it works. I have a feeling you're going to compare things to Videodrome as, Drum as much as you can, but um, yeah, I, I agree. This movie was fantastic. I was um, The first time I've ever watched it, I'm glad you suggested it, because this was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, th- this movie has a sense of charm to it. Um, Dick Miller, who plays our, our main character in the movie named Walter, he's such a likable character. Oh, definitely. It's um, it's weird because he he plays such a desperate character. He's like so desperate to be um recognized by this like group of artists, and like he has no real talent, but like he's just he's real sympathetic, even though he ends up doing really horrible things. Like at times, toward the end of the film, I definitely felt like less sorry for him. But while it's going on, even like during some of the um. Some of the murders and stuff. I'm like, you know, I, I kind of feel for this guy. He's kind of like an almost Norman Bates kind of guy. Yeah, I felt the same way um, with the exception of him dressing like a woman. He um, he had this charismatic style to him where you wanted to get to know him. You wanted to talk to him, but no one else at the club really did. It's a little hole-in-the-wall place called the Yellow Door, and it's a social status, right? Like... He wasn't rich like everybody else. He didn't have, you know, expressionism that met their liking. And what it dealt with was he was the busboy and he got treated like a busboy. But deep down, he was just he wanted to be an artist really, really bad. Oh, yeah. It's interesting you bring up the whole social class thing because I really feel like this movie could have taken place in like um, almost like a medieval setting with like a court jester trying to like impress people but instead like it kind of does a modern even for 1959 it's still kind of a modern thing where art which is largely subjective is largely owned by the um by the more rich the more pretentious people are like who kind of decide what art is so this poor guy is like basically he doesn't know what art is but neither do any of these people in all honesty and he's just trying to get their approval to like figure out what it is to kind of gain his self-worth like it's really an interesting critique on um, 
how art has become such a um such a symbol of like elitism in so many um different in so many different circles yeah and and this place just looks so cool right it's it's just a small little place you got um saxophone music playing you got women over in the corner drawing paintings and pictures everybody's smoking cigarettes and um you kind of start to notice that he gets a little ridiculed at work you know they they say you know if you act like a busboy you're gonna get treated like a busboy and oh poor little dick miller he doesn't really he doesn't know he, he desires to be a sculptor like he has clay but he doesn't have the ability to create until we get our first accident in the movie yeah he um accidentally um i don't think he killed the cat but the cat like got stuck in the wall and died and he made it into a um a clay model of a cat and then that escalates to people eventually and well there we have our our little plot there which was unique to say the least i definitely can't say i've i've seen films like this but not quite like this not done for the same for the same reasons at least yeah it's so cool because you know something's wrong with this ticker man like his cat stuck in the wall okay so i'm just gonna stab a giant knife through where i think the cat is well good job if your goal was to stab the cat through the heart that's what you did you stabbed the cat so like paul says he pulls the cat out of the wall and a normal person would bury the cat or you know I don't even know, uh, maybe even try to hide what they did. They feel really bad. But he's like, well, I got this clay. I wonder if I can create. What would it be like? And he does a fine job doing it, too. He works out the details and everything. And so what happens is he takes the sculpture cat, which he calls Dead Cat, by the way, and he takes it into the yellow door where he's the busboy. And he says, hey, do you want to buy my sculpture? And, you know, you have the boss there whose name is Leonard, and, and he's he kind of laughs it off because he doesn't really look at it. But then the girl there, Carla, she's real sympathetic to him. She's not like everybody else at first, and then she really likes it. She thinks that maybe they should give it a chance, so they work out a deal. And So now he feels like an artist, like he's a sculptor. But what happens when you only have one thing made? you got to make another. Oh, yeah, and he, and he constantly has to, like, escalate it. It has to be bigger and better and, like... He kind of becomes addicted to the praise, addicted to the, um, to just being part of that, like, that little clique and everything, and it really is a commentary on, like, um, just how much we crave admiration, and, you know, you know who Walter actually reminded me a lot of? I know I mentioned Norman Bates, but, like, um, there's another character from a movie that he really reminded me of. Have you ever seen the movie Taxi Driver? I have seen Taxi Driver. He reminds me of, um, that guy, the, I... I wish I could remember the name of the main character, but um, the one played by um, Robert De Niro, where he clearly needs something to feel like he's accomplished something. He needs something to feel good. Like, at one point, he's having a conversation with himself, like, oh, this work of art, you know, I, um, I did this and everything. And he's just talking to himself and everything, but it reminded me so much of that, like, you talking to me, you talking to me kind of, like, um, scene. It's like just shows that like how much this guy needs like this validation and it's it's just it's very sad it's very it's a very good um critique on the human mind and what kind of drives us and it's um yeah definitely definitely a lot to it a lot more than i think originally um it first appears as yeah and uh i looked it up because it was killing me too his name's travis 
That was he it, plays yeah. Travis. But anyways, I'm sure people out there are like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a but, long time since I've seen Tax Dragon. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love it because once he proves himself as a sculptor, he's one of them now. And his clothing style changes and his attitude kind of changes a little bit. He's still kind of sweet, but then he kind of he feels like he deserves more. Like he's spending more money. And okay, so let's get down to it. So in the movie, someone sees the cat. And wants to buy it. And what had happened is the manager knocks the cat down and realizes part of its chip, there's fur coming out. And he gets, like, he catches on real quick, like, oh my god, he's a monster. He just clayed up this cat. Totally makes sense. He's a fraud. And he wants to kind of rat him out and call him out. But then what do you do when someone offers you a buttload of money for the cat? And you can see he's kind of in that limbo status of like, I, I could get the money, but I really shouldn't. But then all of a sudden, the guy makes him an offer, and it just starts escalating. I think he says $500, and he's like, $500. Like, yeah. He's like, okay, I don't have the cat right now. Someone's looking at it. But when it gets back, for $500, you can have it. So instead of calling 911 like he was going to do, thus we have, you know, a $500 statue cat. Yeah, definitely not something I would ever, um, not something I'd pay $500 for, but you know, they're, they're artists and all that. Like they do that kind of stuff. I thought it was really, I, the setting was amazing. Like the whole beatnik cafe and everything. And what was great about it was, um, interspersed between scenes, there would be, um, poetry, like about life, um, nihilism, murder and art just like interspersed between the scenes and they were all very appropriate to what was going on in Walter's life and it didn't come off as forced or anything it just happened to be there and I thought that was a really interesting kind of um definitely interesting style to go with it was definitely a smart move yeah it definitely added a lot to the movie and like we said before it starts out with a cat then he's like I gotta go bigger so then he ends up killing a man and calling it the murdered man. And so now things have escalated and, you know, Carla and Leonard, who's the boss, go back to his apartment to see this quote unquote murdered man. And sure enough, I mean, she thinks it's a masterpiece and the boss is freaking out because he knows that that is a dead person that he has clayed over. And um, throughout all this time is going on. He says, you know, you know, you created your masterpiece. Maybe you should stop doing it. And, and oh, by the way, um, your cat sold. Here's the 50 bucks. And I'm like, wait a minute, dude. You got paid 500 bucks. Like, I'm curious. I'm going to look that up. So I did. So you know how he gave him $50? Did you know in 1959, $50 I knew it was something like that, but I wasn't sure the exact number. But, yeah. I was like, he was so excited to get that $50. Don't get me wrong. I would love 50 bucks, But so I'm like, he's like, you can quit your job for 50 bucks. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so then I was like, okay, let, let's flip it. Let's say the $500, what would that be worth today? And, uh, Paul, $500 is worth $4,177. How messed up is that? You just made $4,000 for this cat, and you gave him $417. Yeah, that's pretty messed up when you think about it. <laughs> Surprised you're not the murdered man, you know? Yeah. But... One thing I definitely thought was interesting was um, kind of going toward the whole art is 
like this movie really kind of questions what art is like in the like I said er, a little bit earlier um the elitism of it like there's so many times where they're talking about that cat or his other um sculptures and these people don't know what the hell they're talking about like they're just like talking like random art jargon I'm like you're you're just kind of saying shit like and some of the poetry while some of it was decent some of it was some of it was just shit like I'll be honest I hate slam poetry I think it's all shit I think it's all just pretentious garbage like everyone everyone listening to this who loves that stuff is gonna like send me nasty letters but I don't care your shit sucks but um yeah it was just weird because like they're all like constantly critiquing him and poor Walter's like yeah yeah you know thanks you know I'm getting this validation I'm like these idiots don't know what they're talking about dude like you know they just have a lot of money that's the only literally the only thing separating them from you and of course self-esteem but What's interesting is Walter becomes so becomes less sympathetic as it goes along, because where his validate his um self esteem and self validation came from them, he's it started like kind of flipping around where he was gaining it from the art he was doing and willing to sacrifice those people praising him to make that art. So everything kind of turned around. And he kind of became a bit of um, an elitist snob in himself, and well, also a murderer at that, but. You know, murder aside, I think uh, being a snob is the worst crime. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of the way you said he's killing off the people that are praising him, there is a, a girl in the group who is a professional model, and she was never nice to him until everybody else was nice, and then she's like, I guess I'll play along. And so, you know, he goes to her, and he's like, okay, I want to I wanna, you know, make a model after you. I want to sculpt something after you. And so she's, you know, names her price and she's at his apartment and she strips down to the nude and she sits in a chair. And then uh, he's like, oh, well, maybe you should put this scarf around your neck. And I'm like, uh oh, yep, not, a, nope. Nothing good's <laughs> going to happen there. Yeah, no, like, you're nude, you want to wear a scarf. I mean, is that art, Paul? I don't know. It's a fetish, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, especially when you want to choke the living crap out of her. So that's what he does. He strangles her and makes his newest creation. And um, I mean, I guess you 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 know you, you went from a cat to a man. I guess the next thing you do is a woman, right? Yeah. yeah he skipped yeah. the dog phase. So, but uh, the cool thing is, is they they decide to host a um, like a gallery, so to speak, of all his creations and. Um, what happens is there, you know, everybody is there from the, the yellow door, whether they're invited or not. You get the guy in the tuxedo with the sandals. I thought it was classic. And, um, yeah, the, the poor lady that the, that he sculpted, her finger had chipped off, and someone could see that it was an actual finger in there. Oh, yeah. And then, like, um, he's, he's in love with Carla. He, like, even proposes to her at one point. And then when she rejects him and finds out that he was killing people... She's like, okay, you can't do this, you know, that's murder. And he says, but I want to make you into one of my statues. I want to immortalize you. And it's like, okay, now you've gone completely nuts. And it's kind of like what I was saying before. He's like, the art has become more than just the people making it. Like, there's literally, like, no level of judgment for it. It's just whatever someone is defining as art and that's even, like, murdering this poor woman. Like you said, Carla was it was great to him. Like, she wasn't in love with him, nor was she entitled to be even. But, like, she was always nice to him, and, you know, she was quite attractive, too. So, like, you know, I, I'd want to keep her around, at least. So, 
he was just kind of nuts at that point like yeah and so he ends up getting plastered drunk and he's rejected so he's walking home and at that point he sees a guy who's kind of working at this little sawmill thing and he's just outside doing his thing and poor walter's just got pure confidence to walk up and force the guy down and chop him up in the sawmill that was a very surprising scene oh yeah he he really escalated in his um his confidence his madness and just his um his own like self-worth and his art and everything he like he i think in the end he like uh, well in the end he really believed he was a great sculptor and he believed his methods of sculpting were not only justified but they were a form of art and that that's pretty that's pretty messed up when you think about it like like when he says to Carla, "Well, you'll be immortalized." I'm like, "You're gonna kill her, dude!" Like that. That's. I'd rather be alive than like immortalized, like and murdered. Like that's that ain't cool, man. That's almost as bad as people who obsess about movies and then have a podcast about it. I know, right? What weirdos. They're immortalized. <laughs> but needless to say, something that you said earlier was is perfect segue for this. You talked about like. What, what is too far, and at what point were you just playing bonkers about what is truly art and not art? And uh, It's safe to say that uh, Walter makes the ultimate art sacrifice. Oh, yeah. And it's so weird because at the end he's, um, he's, he's completely lost it, and he's actually hearing the people in Clay talking to him about his art, and they're like, they're kind of criticizing him, so you know he's still got like all this like insecurity about his, like, artistic skill that he, he can't get rid of no matter how much he tries to delude himself no matter how much um praise he gets for it and it's he, he was a nutbag he was definitely one of those nutbags that you remember for um years to come yeah and poor poor walter he couldn't take it the voices became too much and you know, everybody's chased him because they found out what he's been doing and he runs home to his apartment and he's all alone and he's got nowhere to hide. So what does he do but make himself part of his own art collection and he covers himself in clay and hangs himself. It's, I mean, it's kind of poetic. Kind of, yeah, but it was definitely an appropriate ending. Like, honestly, I can't think of a better ending for it. Um, one of the things, even kind of going back to the whole, like, what is art kind of thing is when the people who find him, they're talking about it, they're talking about uh, his greatest work of art, like, kind of almost praising it. It's like, once this is a tragedy. This is not an artistic thing. And it's like, they're so far removed from humanity. And you see Walter kind of become that. And there's just, there's a lot to this film. It's like, I, I really, I, I, haven't, I haven't heard too much about, like, um, the, any critiques of it, like, as far as, like, commentary on art but there there has to be like there's just so much to it and there's just there there's just so much saying about about what drives people what art is and basically where we get our validation from like we do we get it from other people do we get it from what our own our own beliefs of ourselves it's it's got it's a lot deeper than i think a lot of um people may realize at first glance yeah, yeah, there's definitely a lot going on, but even if you just sit back and watch it for what it is, I think everybody could appreciate it, and, and we both definitely recommend, if you haven't seen it, at least give it a shot. Um, before we give this our 
rating, I will let you know there was one thing that neither one of us have actually talked about yet that I found fascinating in this movie. And that was the pair of bumbling friends. I guess they're the drunks and the druggies or whatever they were, but they are freaking hilarious. Oh yeah, that was that was definitely entertaining. In every big scene, there's at least a, a few second scene of these two guys. They're always around, um, and they're <laughs> they're always just. I don't even know how to explain it. Like one of the comments is, "Don't you get it?" And he goes, "Nah, man, I'm too far out." <laughs> like what? That's they're awesome. just like out of their minds. They're like clearly like high like all the time. It's like if you ever met like a group of stoners, it's like that's them. Except they're yeah. like not even trying to deny it. It's it's great. There's I, a scene where one of them's kicked back, and he's like smoking, and he dumps his last ashes thing into the ashtray, and then he like reaches out and he dumps the ashtray on the floor. Like he spent all that time putting it properly in the ashtray, and then he just purposely goes and dumps it on the floor i was like what the hell what is wrong with you (laughs) what a jerk (laughs) but at least they're funny oh yeah one interesting thing a trivia i found out about this was the uh set for um this film was later um used for um roger corman's rendition of little shop of horror which i thought was kind of cool yeah and you know everybody knows little shop of horrors and everybody knows that that really stood out for Roger Corman's budget and his ability to film with the quickness. And this movie, Bucket of Blood, was filmed in just five days. I mean, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. I know a bunch of people working on it said, like, that it would have been better if there had been a bigger budget. But to be honest, I, I kind of like the fact that this was a low-budget film. I don't think that it really would have been much better. I think that... They used what they needed, that what they had, and it worked out perfectly in that manner. I I really had no complaints with the budget or anything, or the effects or anything like that. Yeah, I think this movie has an overall tone to it, and at some point, if it would have been a little more graphic, it would have been a different type of movie, and I think it would have forced itself into a different category, and then we would have been detracting things from it. Um, I think you're right. I think everything that this movie offered just works so well together, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's on my top five. Yeah, definitely. Same here. I will say one thing going back to the um, whole art is kind of like how I believe the critique of this was art is kind of an elitist thing. Like the the rich elite kind of decide what art is. Um, when when um, Walter was showing his um, his statue, which was a dead guy to a bunch of um, artists, they're like saying like how it like, you know, it's got all this meaning behind it. Then he shows it to his landlord. He's this average like little old lady and she's freaked out about it. I'm like, yeah, that's the normal response because she's not a pretentious prick. So I'm like, I, th- I really do think there's, there's a lot to that. Like I may be reading too much into it, but I kind of don't want to be corrected. I'm, I'm going to give Roger Corman and everyone else working on it that, that credit that this movie had a lot to say and it said it well yeah definitely i am um, i like the character portrayals as well definitely so if you had to rate this film um what would you give it i'm having trouble giving this movie a rating because i feel like i default to a seven on everything that i like but i have trouble going higher um unless i consider it a favorite but if i go too low i'm like but i did like it 
So, I mean, I don't want to be that guy who's like, did he say seven on the last seven movies he did? Um, so I'm going to one up the notch. I'm going to go 7.1. There you go. That's an interesting score. <laughs> I don't think I've ever um, heard a point one on anything before, but yeah, why not? It's our show. We can do whatever we want. I actually gave this a solid 8 out of 10, and the only reason I gave it that was because they killed a cat, and I'm just not cool with that. I love cats. Like, even the hairless ones that creep me out. Like, I don't want to see a dead... I mean, kill all the people you want, but poor cat. Also, there's this, the second person he kills was a detective who was, um... He was arresting him for nar- narcotics, and, like, I didn't understand that. It just seemed really out of place and just kind of an excuse for him to murder somebody like and his his reaction to killing the guy was like was just brilliant and realistic like he's um you can see how sad and pathetic he is and i thought that was great like um the the guy um walter was great he was a great character i liked how he evolved but that detective thing was just really forced i'm like what why is this guy here like what narcotics is he talking about? Like, I just thought that was very arbitrary. And like I said, I hate slam poetry. I think it sucks. I like poetry. I love poetry. But slam poetry is normally done by hacks. I'm sure there's some good slam poetry. But most of it's, like, really pretentious. And, you know, it's a mockery to real poetry. And uh, I'm just going to say that. Feel free to write whatever bad things about me in the comments you want. But that's my that's my criticism. Speaking of the undercover cop scene and the way you said it felt forced, it did have one awesome meaning. It provided the actual bucket of blood scene. That is true. That It's definitely a good point. So maybe it was just like, ah, and this is why we call it bucket of blood. Oh, yeah. It's interesting because... Um, just the way Walter is valued simply by his achievements rather than his humanity, I really, fe- I really felt it paralleled the classic kind of rags to riches story, but in a more modern setting, which is funny because this took place in 1959, but you see how much hasn't changed. Like, the art scenes are... I mean, I think they're a little more... Uh, they're, a bit, they're a bit better and all that, but it's still very elitist in a lot of ways. Like, well, it's really like... I mean we make low budget films like the people who, ma- who make like the big budget films most of them are like the rich sh- son of the rich you know director or the rich uh, whatever so i felt it, it really paralleled that and it's it very it's very modern for a film that's so old and it really served um to place like a lot of these common tropes just in um it really showed like the conditions of like inherent in humanity like walter was a murderer and a criminal and his sins were at, at first somewhat forgivable and it definitely wasn't out of pure sadism but after a while his sense of self-actualization just completely devalued humanity which was what he was trying to get validation in general he was trying to validate his humanity and in turn undervalued humanity in general and i thought that was very interesting i thought it was um it's very poetic in itself and I think his need to atten- to identify his identity as a um, as a sculpture once she had it just made him go nuts and everything, and he was willing to protect it no matter what. And he wasn't even angry about it. He just thought, like, you know, this is art. This is what I do. Like, 
your life is sacrificed for it. I mean, theirs worse, so why not yours? And I think the social commentary, the reflection on humanity, and followed by just the perfect ending of this film, it's it's not so much that it's a, a truly unique concept, but I think it's told in such a way that speaks to a modern audience and really transcends time. And once again, this is in 1959, and I still feel like this could be could have been taken. This could have taken place like any time in modern day. That was a really long, in-depth explanation of a bucket of blood. Yeah, I really liked this film. Like the more I watched it, I guess I got so intrigued, and I'm like, you know, I'm sure if I spoke to Roger Corman, he'd be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Like, I didn't think of any of this, but I'm like, you know, I'm gonna give him credit for it, you know. Mr. Corman, you know, I think you made you directed a great film, and I credit you with everything I've just said. So, you're welcome, sir. Yeah, when picking this movie, I definitely didn't consider the way it kind of parallels some of the Cronenberg theories and, and things that he was accused of possibly saying and not saying in some of his movies. So, being that you really like those, I guess it's no surprise to me that you picked up on this pretty well. Yeah, I mean, like, um. Kind of like with um, with uh, Cronenberg. Cronenberg said like in most of his films, there really isn't a deeper meaning, but it definitely felt like there was, and I I liked it not so much that it I felt I felt it had one, but it had one that didn't preach at me, and I like that a lot. Awesome. Well, I'm gonna let you preach on and tell our people uh, what we're gonna do next time. All right, next week as we continue Roger Corman month, we will be reviewing the 1957 movie Attack of the Crab Monsters. And I love giant monster films, so this is going to be great. Finally, that's good, because I thought you were going to say I love crabs, so that's good. Well, I mean, the food's okay, but I mean... Well, anyways... If you enjoyed this review, you can check out all our other episodes of Director Showcase along with all our other shows at our website, bmoviebros.com. Keep up to date by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com bmoviebros or follow us on Twitter at bmoviebros. You can also follow Dave and all of his many projects at Phantom Dark Dave or my personal Twitter handle at bmoviepaul. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>